Open your Bible tonight, if you would please, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. I've probably made this statement three or four times here in this church that this is the one church in America. I preach in a different church every Sunday, but this is the one church in America where I feel the most like uh, like a pastor. I've never pastored. I've been in the ministry 46 years, never pastored. I suppose I never will. But when I come here, I, I, I don't know, I feel, I feel like if I were a pastor, I would love people the way I love the people here in this church. It's just, this, I just feel, feel like I, well, I don't know, maybe it's because you need a pastor. I don't know. That, well, <laughs> that, that, that was not in the outline. <laughs> that, that's when, I, when you get off script, you get yourself in trouble sometimes. <laughs> but uh, I was trying to be serious, but... Uh, Oh, well, I'm in trouble now, but but to be here tonight in the church where I feel like I, I get to be a pastor once a year, and then to have Brother Kagan here tonight and his wife, it's uh, just such an added blessing to have them here. We we go way back, of course, he's so much older than I am, but <laughs> but way back when I first became a bus director at First Baptist Church of Hammond, Brother Kagan was one of the very first division leaders had in our bus ministry way way back when we just when it was a brand new concept we just uh, you might have been one of the, uh, the one of the original 12 I, I, I would guess I don't know for sure if you weren't one of the original 12s you were the, the very first substitute or something <laughs> or fill in but anyway way back there and so brother Kagan and I have known each other for so many years and then to have brother Richard here tonight uh, called him Brother Tim when I walked in because his dad's name is Tim and his dad and I worked in the bus ministry together uh, about three generations ago and and uh, it's good to have you here tonight. I appreciate both of these pastors coming and the other folks coming with them. I appreciate you being here tonight. Did I ask you to open to 1 Samuel chapter 18? Did I, did I say that? All right. In this passage, chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, there is... Uh, so much more than we're going to have time to deal with tonight. In fact, I have a whole series of uh, lessons that I have taught from this chapter to our staff at the at the college, where, where, where I, I do the uh, staff devotions uh, or, or in staff training sessions and so forth uh, on a regular basis there. And uh, and I taught a whole series for weeks and weeks and weeks. I taught out of this one chapter uh, about David and and so forth. But I'm just going to take a very, very brief outline from this chapter tonight and then build on that and teach you something tonight that I've never taught before, something uh, brand new as far as I've never presented it uh, in public. I've studied it and, and taught it to myself off and on for several months, uh, but tonight's the first time I've ever used uh, these uh, truths that I'm going to use tonight uh, even though I have used this text uh, many times, and there's so much in it, but we're just going to just barely look at it. And in and, and 1 Samuel chapter 18, you, you, re, you, you might remember that uh, prior to chapter 18, in, verse seven, in chapter 17, that is when David killed Goliath. We all know the story about the young boy, 17 years of age, uh, he killed the giant, and, and then he was uh, immediately promoted by Saul the king to be general of the army. If you can imagine that, at the age of 17, he became the general of the army. And then if you would look in chapter 18, uh, we'll begin with verse 5. Chapter 18, verse 5, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely 
And Saul sent him, uh, set him over the men of war. That's when he promoted him to be the general of the army. Set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So you notice there in verse 5 the little statement, and we're just going to barely touch on it and move right on, but you notice the little statement, behaved himself wisely. David behaved himself wisely when he was promoted and accepted by all the people. That was a very dangerous time in David's life. For a man that young to be promoted to that important of a position, a man that inexperienced, he had never been in the army. He had never been to boot camp. <laughs> he had never been through basic training. He was just, he just showed up. He was 17 years old. You know, you don't get drafted till you're 18. And he just showed up with some cheese and bread to give his brothers to eat. And all of a sudden, he's general of the army. And for a man that inexperienced, you know, the Bible says about uh, calling a pastor not to call a novice because it, it might ruin him if you call a novice to be a pastor, somebody that, that just got saved and doesn't even know the Bible yet. And, and, and so David, in this very dangerous time in his life, promoted to this position uh, at, with no experience and at a very young age, he behaved himself wisely. Boy, I think that is so... Speak so highly of him that he behaved himself wisely. Now, if you would, look at verse 6. In verse 6 we read, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth. He was jealous because they were singing this song about him and David. And, you know, the first verse sound great. Saul has slain his thousands. Now, I'm sure Saul liked that verse. But when they got to the second verse and said, And David has slain his ten thousands, well, Saul didn't like that verse, and he got jealous, and he was very wroth. Verse 8, and Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David. There's a whole, there's a whole uh, sermon right there in that one phrase. And Saul eyed David from that day and forward. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he uh, prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand, uh, played the harp and uh, as at other times and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. So two times Saul threw that javelin at him and two times David dodged and got out of the way and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him because the Lord was with David Saul was afraid of him and was uh, departed from Saul uh, God was departed from Saul and in verse 13 therefore Saul removed him removed David from him 
from Saul. So Saul removed David from Saul. In other words, he put him out of his sight, uh, removed him from his office, and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. So do you see what happened here? David killed Goliath. Saul made him the general of the army. The ladies sang the song that gave more credit to David than Saul. So Saul got jealous, and because of his jealousy, not because David did anything wrong, but because of David's jealousy, uh, because of uh, Saul's jealousy, Saul demoted David from being the general of the army to being the captain over a thousand. Now look at verse 14. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. You see that? David behaved himself wisely when he was promoted. And, you know, that's, that's commendable. You know, it's, 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 uh, it makes you admire David that, that, hey, wow, you know, this young man that God put his hand on and used him in a miraculous way and he gets promoted to be the general and he's wise enough at the age of 17 to behave himself wisely in that situation. It's such a dangerous situation. He could have, it could have ruined him to, to make him the general, but he didn't let it. He behaved himself wisely. But now, when he got demoted and rejected. In the beginning, he was promoted and accepted by all the people, even David's, uh, even Saul's servants, even the lieutenant generals, even the majors, even the captains, even the lieutenants, even the sergeants. They respected this 17-year-old boy. Every one of them accepted David as their leader. And, and in that you know, that could really go to a kid's head. I mean, that could really ruin a kid. But David behaved himself wisely in that situation. And, and that's commendable. And you can brag on him and say, way to go, David. But now he gets demoted for doing nothing wrong. He gets demoted because his leader is jealous of him. And when he got demoted and rejected by the people... He behaved himself wisely in all his ways. He's growing. You see what's happening here? In the beginning, he behaved himself wisely. But now that he's in a in a even a more difficult situation than he was to begin with, now he's being demoted and rejected by the people. It, you know, that, those circumstances of life gave David all the ingredients he needed to self-destruct. You know, when he got demoted because of his leader's jealousy, when he got rejected by the people, that was all the ingredients a young man would need to self-destruct, to get bitter, to say this isn't fair, to, 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 uh, to, to attack back, to, uh, to, to retaliate. You know, it, it would have been very easy for David to ruin his life at that point. But he was so mature, he grew from behaving himself wisely to now he's behaving himself wisely in all his ways. Okay, now if you would look at verse 15. 
We'll go back to verse 14. In verse 14, and David behaved himself wisely in all. Okay, let's go back to verse 5. In verse 5 it says, and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely wisely in verse 5 right now go to verse 14 and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways now look at verse 15 wherefore when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely he was afraid of him but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them You notice the growth there? At first he behaved himself wisely. Then he behaved himself uh, wisely in all his ways. When he was promoted, he behaved himself wisely. When he was demoted, he behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Now he is both accepted by all the people, but rejected by his leader. Boy, now he's in a very difficult situation. You know, sometimes when you're among all friends, you can kind of relax. You can, you can go into one uh, mode of action. You can, you can behave in a certain manner because everybody here is your friend. Everybody with whom you're dealing is your friend. But then on the other hand, if you're in another situation where you're dealing with your enemies... And you know that everybody here is out to get you. And everybody you're dealing with is against you. Well, you change modes. You change gears. And you put up the defense. And you behave yourself in a different manner. You may behave yourself wisely. But it's different than you were. But now all of a sudden he's caught in a situation where he's both rejected by his leader. But at the same time accepted by the people. (laughs) Boy, that could get confusing. That is much more difficult than the dangerous situation of being promoted at such a young age with such little experience. That is much more difficult than having to figure out how to behave yourself when your leader rejects you and when you've done nothing wrong. Now you're in a situation where you're both accepted and rejected at the same time. You know, it's easier to know how to behave when you're with all friends. It's easier to know how to behave when you're with all enemies. But it is more difficult to know how to behave when you're both with your enemies and your friends, especially when some of your friends and some of your enemies are friends. Some of those people that accepted David also loved Saul, their king. And David's caught in the middle. And it said he behaved himself very wisely. See how he's growing? He behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Now he's behaving himself very wisely. And there's a whole series of lessons in here I could teach on this. And I'm spending a little more time than I meant to because I'm, 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 I'm drifting back into those lessons I taught the staff. But let's go on now to verse uh, 17. In verse 17, let's look and it says, And Saul, uh, let's go back to verse 16, uh, But all Israel and Judah loved David because uh, he went out and came in before them. In verse 17, And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter uh, Merib, uh, uh, her will I give to thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me and fight the Lord's battle. 
For Saul said, Let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. So Saul said, I know what I'll do. I'll send him into battle against the Philistines, and I won't have to take care of him. I'll let the Philistines take care of him. All right, now look in verse 28. And verse 28, And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michael, his other daughter that, he, that, that David wound up marrying, uh, and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth. So now it's coming to pass. David, Saul said, okay, you know, I can't kill him with a javelin. I've tried a couple of times, and he keeps getting out of, he keeps avoiding me. He said, so I, I don't, I, I won't try anymore to, at this particular time to kill him. I'll just let, let him fight the Philistines and let them take care of him. But then he saw in verse 28 and 29 that the Lord was with David and the Lord was helping David fight against the Philistines. And so he was even more afraid of him. And Saul became David's enemy in verse 29. Then in verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went forth. In other words, the enemy, the Philistines, came forth to fight against David. And it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. See the growth there? When he was promoted at a young age, he behaved himself wisely. When he was demoted for no reason whatsoever, he behaved himself wisely in all his ways. When he was both rejected by his leader and accepted by the people and called in the middle, he behaved himself very wisely. But now that he's facing the real enemy, the Philistines, he's behaving himself more wisely than all the servants that Saul had. Saul became David's enemy, but David never became Saul's enemy. David remained focused on the real enemy. The real enemy was the Philistines. David's real enemy wasn't Saul. Even though Saul became David's enemy, David never became Saul's enemy. David remained focused on the real enemy. David allowed each one of these situations to cause him to grow, not to self-destruct. He could have self-destructed. He could have self-destructed in any one of those. You, you know, uh, uh, a lot of us can grow when things are going well. When we get promoted, you know, you you say, "Way to go, David! We're proud of you, buddy. You behaved yourself wisely in that situation." But how many of us can continue to grow when things don't go well? That's what David did. David let the good circumstances cause him to grow. David also let the bad circumstances cause him to grow. Instead of self-destruct. And do you know that life brings us more negative than it does positive? We live in a sin-cursed world. 
We don't live in a utopia. It's not getting better. It's not going to get better and better and better, and then finally Jesus is going to come back. No, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And as life goes on, it gets more and more complicated because you have more baggage to deal with the longer you live. It's not that as you get a little older, you get a little smarter, and so now you can deal with life better, and everything's going to be more rosier today than it was yesterday. No, as life goes along, more and more negative comes your way, and it's up to you to decide, am I just going to grow when the sun shines and the rain comes and and, and the ground's fertile, or am I going to grow when it's, yeah, exactly, on Sunday morning. (laughs) He behaved himself wisely when he was promoted and accepted. He behaved himself wisely in all his ways when he was demoted and rejected. He behaved himself very wisely when he was both accepted and rejected. And he behaved himself more wisely than all the other servants when he faced the real enemy. Notice the growth there. What I want to give you tonight is I want to give you, I think it's 10 points. I'm going to give you a formula for growth. Growth of your wise behavior how can you be how can you behave yourself more wisely tomorrow than you did yesterday how can you behave yourself more wisely next year than you did last year and by the way the 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 one the number one reason that we uh that we uh, d- uh d- destroy our life is when we self-destruct and I'm going to give you a formula tonight to avoid self-destruction and a formula by which to grow instead of to self-destruct. Number one, tonight's not going to be, you know, like Sunday morning or Sunday night was, a lot of emotion and so forth. Tonight is just going to be line up on line. I'm going to give you ten things, ten ways to grow uh, even when life brings the negative to you. Number one, don't say anything immediately. When life comes to you, when the situation arises, when when the uh, situation reveals itself to you, don't say anything immediately. The Bible says, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You know, when we usually speak uh, quickly, we regret it later. Most of the time when we tell them how we felt, we regret that we did. (laughs) Number one, don't say anything immediately. When negative comes to you, don't say anything immediately. Just just slow to speak, uh, uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And that brings me to point number two. Don't respond while you are angry. Don't respond at all. Well, you're angry. Just wait till you're not angry anymore. <laughs> you say, well, every time I think about it, I get mad. Well, then don't respond to it. <laughs> you know, just don't respond while you're angry. You remember what David said in Psalm 6-1? He said, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. You know, if God is the righteous judge of the world and we beg him to not respond while he's angry... <laughs> Why do we? Why, why would we want somebody else to, that, that's not a righteous judge to respond while they're angry? Well, then why would you th- expect? Why do you think somebody wants you to respond while you're angry? 
If I don't trust God to respond, if David didn't trust God to respond while he was angry, I sure don't trust me to respond while I'm angry. Number three, act, don't react. Act, don't react. What do I mean by that? Don't make your decisions based on how others treat you. Act, don't react. Don't make your decisions based on how somebody else treats you. Instead, make your decisions based on who you are. Don't let them decide. Don't, okay, that means don't, don't allow someone, uh, don't allow someone else to take control of your behavior. Act, don't react. Don't make your decisions based on how others treat you. Instead, make your decisions based on who you are. Don't allow someone else to take control of your behavior. You control your behavior based on who you are, not based on how somebody else treats you. I very hesitantly tell this, and I very delicately tell it without uh, revealing any of the details. But I was in a situation a few years ago, where a person that was supposed to be a Christian in front of several other people cursed me. And when I say cursed, I mean everything that your father knew when he was a sailor. (laughs) For an hour and 15 minutes. An hour and 15 minutes. And during that hour and 15 minutes, I thought one thing over and over and over. I kept thinking this thought. I know you want me to come down to your level and cuss it out with you, but I'm bigger than that. And I never responded one time in an hour and 15 minutes, not one single response. He didn't get one response out of me. Not, oh me, oh my, would you please be quiet? Nothing. I just sat there. Because I just kept telling myself, I'm bigger than that. I'm not going down there. I don't live in that, in that, in that realm. Act, don't react. If I ever decide to cuss, I'll decide to cuss. <laughs> and I'm not saying I won't, but, but if I ever do, I'll decide. <laughs> Number four, let's move on quickly. (laughs) Number four, (laughs) never allow an evil, simple, or angry person to drag you down to their level. Number four, never allow an evil, a simple, or an angry person to drag you down to their level. You 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 ever think of this? If a strange woman, the Bible calls her a strange woman, or sometimes the Bible calls her a whorish woman, or an evil woman, or a sinful, a simple woman, or a lustful woman, if a strange, whorish, evil, simple, or lustful woman wants you because of what you are, when she gets you, you will no longer be what you were that caused her to want you. Don't let an, a, 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 a simple or an angry or an evil person to drag you down to their level. In other words, don't criticize a critic. 
Don't slander a slanderer. Don't answer an open letter with an open letter or a Facebook post with a Facebook post. You know, anytime you get in a fight with a skunk, even if you win, you're going to come out smelling bad. Number four, don't allow an evil, simple, or angry person to drag you down to their level. What am I giving you tonight? I'm giving you a formula by which to not self-destruct. Because most of the time we have more opportunities to self-destruct than we do anything else in life. Number five, never become your enemy's enemy. Never become your enemy's enemy. Let your enemy be your enemy if they want to be, but don't go down there and live with them. Don't become, never become your enemy's enemy. Number six, never make any change of direction decisions. You know those kind of decisions you make that that changes the direction of your life? Never make any change of direction decisions without mature counsel. You should never make any decision that's going to change the direction of your life without some mature counsel. Now, what do I mean by mature counsel? I mean somebody older than you. I mean somebody more experienced than you. I mean somebody who's been saved longer than you have been. I mean somebody who's been involved in the area of your decision longer than you've been involved in that area. I mean somebody who's doing what you you want to do longer than you've been doing it. I mean somebody who has counseled often throughout the years. I'm talking about somebody who has counseled others in this area or through this type decision you're trying to make. When I talk about mature counsel, I'm talking about someone who has been succeeding on a long-term basis in the area you're considering. If you're going to make a change of direction uh, decision in your life, is there somebody that has been succeeding in that direction for a long time? Then you might consider getting counsel from them. I'm talking about someone who is succeeding with his family. You know, they may be successful in the area of life where you want to go, but if they're only succeeding there but not succeeding with their family, I might be leery to take their advice. I don't want somebody who can only choose one specialty and succeed at that and and fail in the rest of life. I want somebody who can put all of life together to counsel me. And by the way, the more of these ingredients the counselor has, the better off you'll be. You know, it's not enough just to say, well, he's older than me, I'll get his advice. (laughs) He may be a drunk. He may be an alcoholic. He may be a bum. He may be, he may have, he may you know signed bankruptcy twenty times in his life. He may be a crook. He may have just gotten out of jail just because he's older than you. That uh, the more of these ingredients that your counselor has, the better off you'll be. Number seven. Never make a life-altering decision without your spouse's enthusiastic endorsement. I'm trying to help you not self-destruct. Never make a a life-altering decision without your spouse's enthusiastic endorsement. Now, what do I mean by life-altering? I mean a a decision that would would, uh, cause you to spend less time with your spouse. 
I mean a decision that would cause you to be away from your family more than you have been in the past. I mean a decision that would change uh, what church you attend. I'm talking about a decision that would cause you to move to some new area of the country. I'm talking about a decision that would, uh, that would uh, cause you to quit one job before you have a new job in place to go to. I'm talking about a decision that would cause you to leave a succeeding or an improving career. If you're in a career and it's succeeding or you're in a career and it's improving, uh, I'd be very hesitant to change without my spouse's enthusiastic endorsement of that change. I'm talking about starting a new business or going into a business. I'm talking about investing a major portion of your family's money. Number seven, never make a life-altering decision without your spouse's enthusiastic endorsement. Number eight, never make a major decision. Never make a major decision based only on money. Never make a major decision in your life based only on money. Well, if we move over there, we'll make some more money. But who are your children going to grow up with? But if we move over there, we'll make some more money. But uh, who, are, who is your spouse going to rub shoulders with? But if we move over there, we'll make some more money. But where is your family going to attend church? But if we move over, never make a major decision based only on money or based only on position. You remember when James and John came to Jesus? And they said, hey, Jesus, when you set up your kingdom, can we set on your right hand and on your left? Never make a major decision based only on money or based only on position or based only on title. For 11 years, I was executive vice president of our college. Our president was ill, and he couldn't uh, fulfill his role, and so we created the position of executive vice president so that he could maintain the title of president, and I could help him run the college, and as he got sicker and sicker, I gradually did more and more to help operate the college, and then the day came that he decided he wanted to retire and, and not no longer be the president. He wanted to be president emeritus. So the pastor came to me and said, would you like to, would, do you want to be the president? And I answered that quick, no, I have no desire, no thank you. So he shrugged his shoulders and went, went, went a different direction. And nine months later, he came back and he said, Ray, some things have developed and I really need you to be the president of the college. Would you at least pray about the possibility of being the president? And I said, I don't need to pray about it. If you need me to be the president, I'll be glad to. I had no desire to have a different title. But when I was needed, I was willing to do what I was needed to do. Never make a major decision based on only money, based on only position, based on only a title, based on, on, based on popularity, based on comfort. Well, you know, if we lived in that part of the country, we'd be more comfortable. You know, if we lived over there, we'd be around more people that like us. Your decision ought to be based on God's will. Never make a decision based on anger. Never make a major decision based on retaliation. 
Have you ever thought about how much of the book of Proverbs deals with how we should uh, avoid the negative things in life? Now, I, I haven't carefully calculated the whole book, but this afternoon I sat down and read six chapters. And the first six chapters of Proverbs, I listed the Proverbs that, that, that gave you some positive aspect of life, and I listed the Proverbs that gave you a warning against some negative aspect of life. And do you know that there were more warnings against the negative aspects than there were, the, than, than there were instructions on how to deal with the positive of life? Now, I don't know if the whole book of Proverbs is that way, but this afternoon I figured out the first six chapters, there's more warning about the negative. And you know why that, you know, I think I know why that is, because there's more negative in life than there is positive. How much of life is based on our success and our growth while we're, everything's going well? <laughs> Not near as much as our success, and our growth while we're dealing with negative. Because there's more negative in life than there is positive. You know, we're, I'm saying tonight that uh, we, we, we uh, I'm saying don't say anything immediately when the negative comes to you. I'm saying don't respond while you're angry. I'm saying act, don't react. I'm saying never allow an evil, a simple, an angry person to drag you down to their level. I'm saying never become your enemy's enemy. I'm saying never make any change of direction uh, decisions without mature counsel. I'm saying never make a life-altering decision without your spouse's enthusiastic endorsement. And I'm saying never make a major decision based only on money or position or title or popularity or anger or retaliation. And then number nine, I'm finally getting to the positive. Instead, make all your decisions based on clear biblical principles. Make all your decisions based on clear biblical principles. What am I talking about? I'm just going to give you a couple of examples and we'll be done. There's nine points instead of ten. I was mistaken. But uh, uh, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that we're not to be yoked together with unbelievers. Does that give you the idea that maybe you shouldn't join some social club in the neighborhood that's mostly all lost people? Does that give you the idea that maybe you shouldn't go into business with some lost person? Does that give you the idea that maybe you shouldn't marry a lost person? Does that give you the idea that maybe your children shouldn't date lost people? Make your decisions based on clear biblical principles. What, what am I talking about? The Bible says, oh, no man, nothing. You know, maybe we should not go further in debt than we're able to pay on a month, or that we're able to pay on time. You know, when it says, oh, man, no man, nothing, I don't owe that man anything until the payment comes due. It, it doesn't say you can never, that doesn't mean you can never go into debt. That doesn't mean you can never borrow money. It means don't borrow more money than you can pay on time. Don't buy a bigger car than you can pay for on time. And, and, and how about the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the scripture that says that we're not to say to our neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll pay you tomorrow even though you have the money to pay him today. We're to pay our debt on time. How about the scripture that says don't oppress the poor? How about the, the scripture that says that uh, we're to get uh, no, no advice from an angry person? Follow not an angry person. 
Number nine, instead of those other eight, make all your decisions based on clear principle, biblical principles, based on a worthy cause. What did David say when he killed Goliath? Is there not a cause? Make your decisions based on a worthy cause and instead make your decisions based on an opportunity that will allow you more time with God, more time with your family, more service for God, more souls saved, more sacrifice for God. I love that little outline that's so obvious in chapter 18. David behaved himself wisely. He behaved himself wisely in all his ways. He behaved himself very wisely. And he behaved himself even more wisely than all the other servants. And in the midst of many negative situations. If you're going to grow in life, you're going to have to grow in the midst of the negative. I hate to tell you this, but there are no gardens without weeds in them. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to grow in the midst of the weeds. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to grow when, when the sun shines and when it doesn't. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to grow when it rains and when it doesn't. You're going to have to grow when it snows too. <laughs> yeah, 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 you just have to deal with life. And I, I don't know about you, but that's one of the many things I love about coming here because you know Brother Vasek's going to be you know, in that, you know, it doesn't matter, you know. I've, I've been here before in, the, in June when the sun was shining and everything was green and, and it was beautiful outside and Brother Vasek was, got up here and he was in a great mood. And I've been here when it was seven below zero. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember that year or not, but I was here one year, it was seven below zero, and I was in a bad mood. <laughs> but when Brother Vasek got up here, he wasn't. He said, boy, it's good to see you, and we all felt better, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. He behaved himself very wisely. And he behaved himself more wisely than all the other servants. I love that growth. Father, I pray tonight.